Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic. If you're new with us, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And is anybody curious why we have balloons here? Well, my birthday's coming up. And I thought we'd celebrate early. Not true. My birthday is coming up, but we're not celebrating early. Um, These balloons are going to be used today as some props to help us hopefully understand what we're going to be doing in this new series that we're starting called Anchored. So we're starting a new series, and it's a study of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament part of the Bible. And when I think about foundational uh, books in the Bible, uh, in the New Testament especially, I think about Romans, and I think about Hebrews. And these two books are so foundational in in what we can learn about a relationship with God, how to have that relationship. They've got a lot of church doctrine in them. And so uh, this study of Hebrews, I think, is going to be fantastic for us. Now, if you are new to faith, or you're kind of just exploring faith, or maybe you're new to the Bible, uh, you might have an experience where you start reading the Bible, uh, certain books of the Bible, and you think, that's a little technical, like, uh, that's a little hard to understand. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what the author is saying there. Hebrews can read a little bit like that. And so what we're going to do in this series is, especially on Sundays, we're going to try to break that down for us so that we can understand what is the author saying and what's kind of behind the the story of this amazing New Testament book. So super glad you are here for that. Now, I'm going to ask a question where I need some audience participation from. So in a minute, you'll be um, encouraged to to shout out loud some of the, the things, some of the answers to this question I'm going to ask you. So the question is this. When, when you think about anchors in your life, things that have held you uh, in your, uh, whether your faith or held you in your life, things that have helped you to, to become who you are, kept you grounded, kept you focused, what are some of those things? Your mom. So we got relationships, yep. The Bible, okay. Friends, celebrate recovery. Your faith. Community groups, spouse. Okay, so we got some relationships. We've got some faith answers. Um, there's some belief answers that, that are tied into that. So I'm going to use these balloons today to kind of illustrate and, and um, be the props for us about some of the anchors that we can have in our lives. Again, it could be a relationship anchor, could be a faith anchor, could be a belief anchor, a value anchor. Now I'm going to set this balloon off to this side, and this balloon represents Jesus, okay? These balloons represent other anchors that we can tie our lives to. Now, I want you to kind of imagine with me, what would you think if someone came along and said, all of those anchors, except this one, all of those anchors that you've listed are worthless. They can't hold you. They won't hold you forever, what, what would you think? What, you know, would there be any pushback in you? Would, would you, you know, disagree with them? Like, what do you mean that like, those aren't real anchors? I mean, you don't know my life. You don't know how these things have held me in my life. So that was a little bit of what was going on in the backdrop of Hebrews. See, in, in Hebrews, there, there were some Jewish Christians that were tempted to walk away from their faith in Jesus and to go back to some old religious practices. And the author of Hebrews says, don't do that. Jesus 
is greater than any anchor you could ever tie your lives to. So that's what we're going to study today, um, why Jesus is greater. Now, a little bit more about the history of Hebrews, this this specific letter uh, written um, in the New Testament part of the Bible. It was written... uh, about 60, 65 AD, not exactly sure. Uh, We do know that it wasn't written after 70 AD. That's when the Romans destroyed the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. We know it wasn't written past that. We know it was written after the the resurrection of Christ, so we've got a small window of when it was written. Who is it written by? Some say Paul, some say Barnabas, some say Luke. We're not exactly sure. Doesn't quite fit the writings of Paul. In some ways it does, um, in, in other ways it doesn't. Um, so are, are we exactly sure who wrote this book? No, we're not. It sure seems like Paul. When you read Paul's writings and you understand how Paul spoke, it sure reads a whole lot like Paul, even though it's written in a little bit different context than, than he would write. But regardless of that, it fits so beautifully into every other writing in the New Testament part of the Bible. And again, it's foundational for our faith. So what was happening just before the writing of this book, after Christ's resurrection, there was this amazing explosion of Christianity around the known world. And and you can imagine having a risen savior would be pretty darn fantastic for the faith that you're holding on to. So you've watched your savior die on a cross. You, you know, were part of the, the, seeing him being buried. And then maybe you were lucky enough to be one of the 500 that Jesus revealed himself to in his resurrected body. And you like mouth dropped. <laughs> That's my savior right there. He is alive. And so there's this great excitement and movement um, in the body of Christ at that moment. Scripture says after one sermon that the apostle Peter preached, 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus in one day. Like, I cannot imagine that. Imagine if 3,000 people showed up here from our community at Epic this morning, right now, saying, hey, we, we are new believers in Jesus. Like, is there room for us to learn about him? And we would say, yes. yes. And I would say to you, move over. Make room. We'll do 10 services if we have to. Like, yes, there's room. So there's this great movement, great excitement. And then persecution came. Something we talked about last week. These new Jewish Christians experienced a persecution they hadn't experienced before. They experienced persecution from their own people who had not converted to Christianity wasn't called Christianity at that time. It was called the way. So Jews who hadn't converted to the way were persecuting new Jewish Christ followers who had. They were also being persecuted by the Romans. Romans were just tired of this Jesus movement that was causing all this chaos in one part of their kingdom. And so they were trying to step on it and end it. So there's all this persecution that happened. And when the persecution happened, there were these early New Testament Christians, Jewish Christians, that were tempted to walk away from their new faith in Jesus and to go back to an old religious system that could never, never anchor their lives. Now here's where many of us can identify with those early Jewish Christians, Sometimes when we come into a relationship with God, it's great at first. 
And we're excited. There's momentum. There's change in our lives. We're following Jesus, applying some of those principles, and it's fantastic. We love it. And then persecution comes. Persecution happens in whatever way for you, maybe a a relationship that you're in. People start giving you pressure. Maybe friends start giving you pressure about what you're believing. Maybe life just gets hard. There's any number of things that can happen with persecution. And then there are moments we're tempted to walk away from Jesus and this new thing that we found that's creating such a movement in our lives and we're tempted to walk back to something that we used to know, something that was familiar. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a relationship we know that doesn't honor God, but we think, you know what, it's, a, it's an a, a immediate relationship. I can get immediate results right now. I can feel and touch this person. This is great. Love Jesus. Wish he was here in person so you know, I could ask him questions and get real feedback right away, but he's not, so maybe we're tempted to drift back to a relationship. Or maybe we're tempted to drift back to an old habit an old thing that we used to do, and life gets hard, and so we look at Jesus and following him and applying his principles, and man, that seems so hard, and yet this old habit, this old thing, it's just so familiar to us, and so we drift towards it again and try to anchor our lives to it. Or maybe there's a belief system. Maybe it's an old belief system that we hold on to. You know, maybe, maybe we're um, drifting from Jesus because there's this old belief system that we think we can, we can tie back to It it helped us in our lives. It helped us for so long in our lives. And this new thing with Jesus, it's just kind of hard to figure out. It's hard to apply. I'm not exactly sure, but I know that. I've been doing it all my life. Or maybe it's a new belief system. There's any number of things that we can drift towards when we're challenged, when following Jesus gets difficult. It gets hard to to stay connected um, with him. So... These Jews who had walked away from this old stuff, these old anchors, these old religious systems, and found this new relationship with Christ that he died so we can live. We don't have to do all that stuff. We don't have to follow all those rules. We don't have to to, to keep on that hamster wheel again and again and again. We can experience this new relationship with Christ and live in response to that. Walked away, started to drift, and started to experience an anchor, again, that would never hold them. So the author of Hebrews says, Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than any anchor that you could ever tie your life to. So let's dive dive into Hebrews chapter one and see how this author writes this. So Hebrews chapter one, starting in verse one, it says, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. Now, the readers of this letter would have said, yes, that's how we know that God communicates with us. God speaks to a prophet. The prophet speaks directly to us. We listen sometimes. Other times we don't. We don't listen. And, but they were used to that. So they were used to God speaking through Moses, through Samuel, through Elijah, through Elisha, through Isaiah, through Jeremiah. All these prophets, they were used to that. And then in verse 2 and 3, Hebrews says, Jesus is greater than the prophets. Verse 2. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son, God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, he created the universe. 
The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. So Jesus is greater than the prophets because he's God's son, because he created everything, and because he cleansed us from our sins. Now, these two verses tell us something very important that we need to know. We cannot separate God the Father from God the Son. We can't separate those two. They are a package deal. And, you know, today there are people that don't like that package. There are people that are into God, just not so much into Jesus. There are people that say, you know, I'm spiritual. I'm open to all that stuff. That's great. But I'm just not so much into Jesus. You know, that seems kind of narrow. I think maybe there's other ways to a relationship with God. But Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. It's not possible. We cannot get to God, the Father, except through Jesus. It's just not possible. So here's the reality. If you have Jesus, you have God the Father. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have God the Father. They are a package deal. So Jesus is greater than the prophets. We cannot separate Jesus from God the Father. And then verse four tells us who else Jesus is greater than. So verse four. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name of God, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. For God never said to any angel what he said to Jesus, you are my son. Today I've become your father. God also said, I will be his father and he will be my son. And when he brought his firstborn son into the world, God said, let all of God's angels worship him. Now, I don't know what you believe about angels. There are some people who believe in angels. There are some people who don't believe in angels. But the Jews believed in angels. They believed in the reality of angels. Angels were a significant part of their history as a people. Um, So that was a, a big deal for them. But why these verses are so important for us today is there are faith systems that believe Jesus was created as an angel. There's actually a belief system that that says Jesus was created as Michael, the archangel. When he came to earth, became Jesus, after his resurrection, went back to being Michael. But I want you to listen to what scripture says in John chapter 1 about Jesus. So John chapter 1, starting in uh, verse 1, it says this. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. And God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. Sounds similar to what we were reading in Hebrews. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. 
Again, that, that kind of, it's kind of an extension of what we were learning in our salt and light series. Why God wants us to be the light in our world is because darkness doesn't extinguish light. Light extinguishes darkness. Then verse uh, 14. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So Jesus was not an angel. Jesus was, is, always will be the second member of the Trinity. A Trinity relationship is a relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And some of us say, well, how do you explain that? That's a tough question. It's a tough thing to explain. But what I do want you to notice from these uh, verses that we're looking at so far is in the universe, there are two types of beings. There are created beings. Help me identify what some created beings are. Us, so humans, yep. What else? Angels, animals. You got it. So created beings are humans, angels, and animals. The other being, type of being in existence, are divine beings. Divine beings are God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is a divine being. He's not a created being. And that's why in verse um, 6, I think it was, God the Father said to all the angels, I want you to worship Jesus. Why would God the Father say that about Jesus? If he were created, he wouldn't say that if he were created. Created beings aren't worthy of worship. That's idolatry. Jesus is divine. I want you to listen to what else God the Father says to God the Son. Hebrews chapter one, verse eight. So in verse eight, says, but to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. He also said to the Son, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will fold them up like a cloak and discard them like old clothing, but you are always the same. You will live forever. And God never said to any of the angels, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Verse 14, therefore angels are only what? Servants. Servants. Angels are only servants. We should not worship angels. We should not worship created beings. We should worship divine beings and Jesus is a divine being. So Jesus is greater than the prophets. Jesus is greater than the angels. And then chapter three, verse one, the author tells us who else Jesus is greater than. And this is a big thing for the Jews who would read this. Verse one. And so dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called uh, to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. For he was faithful to God who appointed him just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. But Jesus 
deserves far more glory than Moses. That's a big statement that was, was made by the author about Jesus. You see, for the Jews, Moses was one of the foundational figures for their faith. God had used Moses to free them from years of slavery to the Egyptians. God had spoken directly to them through Moses. God had given them the 10 commandments and taught them how to worship God. So most of the Jewish experience in their faith was built around the life of Moses and his relationship with God. And so the author of Hebrews says, Jesus is greater than Moses. He says, let me tell you why. And in chapter two, verse 14, He says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he free, set free all who lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. And if you have put your faith in Jesus, or if you ever put your faith in Jesus, you are considered a descendant of Abraham. And Jesus has come to help you. Verse 17, therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Moses couldn't do what those verses said about Jesus. Moses couldn't break the power of sin and death that we had brought into the world. Moses couldn't free us from our sin. Moses couldn't be a sacrifice for us, but Jesus could. Moses couldn't do those things. The prophets couldn't do those things. The angels couldn't do those things. Only Jesus could do those things. In chapter one, verse three, It said, after Jesus cleansed us, he sat down at the right hand of God the Father. So why did Jesus sit down? His work was done. His work was done. It was finished. There was nothing left for him to do to make it possible for us to be in a right relationship with God that would last for eternity. There was nothing left for him to do to make it possible for us to put our faith in him and live forever in a real place called heaven. Nothing left to do. So if you have received that, if you've believed that, you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Jesus has sat down for you because there's nothing left to do. Now, on our part, we've got to receive that. We've got to believe that. If if you've never received that, you're still holding on to an anchor that won't hold your life for eternity. And this is one of those things that separates Christianity from uh, all other religions in the world. Most religions teach that if you uh, follow the rules, work hard, be nicer, you know, obey, 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 maybe you'll be accepted. But Christianity teaches we aren't accepted because of what we do for God. We're accepted because of what Jesus has done for us. And so here's a question. Do any of you want to stand before the creator of the universe, look into his holy eyes and say, I am here for all of eternity because of what I have done for you? Anybody? Not me. No. No way. I want to stand because of what Jesus has done 
What Jesus has done for us is an anchor that can hold us for all of eternity. And so the author of Hebrews says Jesus is greater, greater than the prophets, greater than the angels, greater than Moses, greater than anything you could ever tie your life to. Jesus is greater. And then the author says to these Jewish Christians who are struggling with their faith, struggling through persecution. He says, don't turn away. Don't do it. Don't turn back to that stuff. Don't go back to those old anchors that will not anchor you forever. Don't do that. So listen to what he says. Chapter two, verse one, he says, so we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard. We gotta listen very carefully to what we've learned about Jesus or we may drift away from it. And then in verse three, in, uh, chapter three, verse 12, he says this. He says, be careful then, brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. When you see other Christ followers drifting away from Jesus, do you take it as a personal request from God for you to warn them? A lot of us don't, myself included. There are moments I watch people drift and I'm like, well, I hope they figure it out somewhere that Jesus is the only anchor. Hope that God gets a hold of them. And yet the author of Hebrews says, that's our job as fellow believers in Jesus. Not to beat people over the head, but to just say don't anchor yourself to that. Don't drift from Jesus. Jesus is greater than anything you could ever try to anchor your life to. So God asks us to warn each other and challenge each other in those moments when we all tend to drift from Jesus. Verse 14, for if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. So we all have to be very careful because we can all give in to the temptation of drifting from Jesus. Now here's some application for us. Because Jesus is the greatest person we could ever anchor our lives to, that means Jesus is greater than any relationship that we could ever be in. So I want you to think about some of your relationships that you're in right now, or maybe a relationship that you wish you could be in. Jesus is greater than all of those relationships. I have a good friend of mine who is not convinced of that. I've got a, a friend who is convinced that a romantic relationship will be greater than Jesus. And so this friend goes from relationship to relationship, trying to find this fulfillment in his life. There's this emptiness there and he's trying to fill it with this, this person and he thinks, if I just find the, the right woman, if I just find the right lady, I mean, I'll just keep looking until I find the right one and when I find the right one, this is gonna be the relationship that will anchor me forever and so he's constantly on this pursuit. Interesting thing is, he loves Jesus. He's drifted from Jesus and so my conversation with him over the past 15 years has been the same. Don't drift 
Don't drift from Jesus to another person. Don't try to put another person in place of Jesus. Don't do that. Stay connected to him and allow God to bring you somebody who loves him as much as you do. But don't drift from Jesus looking for somebody to, you know, maybe this person, maybe that person, maybe that person. Stay connected to Jesus. And the reality is God's not trying to keep us from relationships. He designed us to be in relationships. But when we put a relationship in front of God, that's a bad thing. So the author of Hebrews says that Jesus is greater than any relationship that we could ever be in, ever. Now, in the first service, I told them I was looking for a bigger experience there when that happened. And it didn't quite happen in the first service, so I knew it wasn't going to happen in the second service. So, you know, it's going to be a little bit anticlimactic as we continue to go through these balloons, but it's all going to be okay, right? Great. All right. So, Jesus is greater than any relationship we could ever be in. Jesus is greater than any belief system we could ever try to hold on to that's opposite of him. I've got another friend that at one point had a pretty strong faith in God. And over a few years, that friend started to have these questions, real questions. They weren't bad questions. They were legitimate questions that many of us have about faith. And yet my friend didn't take those questions to God, didn't try to get real answers that that God offers to us through scripture. And so I noticed my friend drifting farther and farther away from God to the point where my friend is now exploring different belief systems and would probably say, He's not so much a Christ follower anymore. Here's the reality. Christianity is not just a good option in a sea of options. Christianity is the only option. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only one we can anchor our lives to for eternity. The only way. That's why the the author of Hebrews makes that case and makes that case loudly. Just don't turn away to any other faith system, any other belief. Hold on to Jesus. A relationship with Jesus, understanding what Jesus taught is the only anchor for all of us for eternity. Don't be deceived going back to an old faith system. Don't go explore another faith system. Stay grounded. Stay connected to Christ. So Jesus is greater than any other belief system we could ever tie our lives to. A little bit louder. I have other friends who have drifted from God because following Jesus has gotten hard. It's gotten difficult. And uh, they're, they're really struggling in that tension of, man, when I thought when, when I started following Jesus, things would be great, you know? I mean, God would make me healthy, wealthy, wise, give me a full head of hair. I mean, we just thought it was gonna be fan, up and to the right, fantastic kind of stuff. And then when following Jesus wasn't all that, and we aren't healthier, we aren't wealthier, we don't have any more hair in our head. You know, we start to wonder, is it really worth that? I'm like, my goodness, it's easier to go you know, back to an old faith system, something else that I can hold on to. So I have um, a friend who's gone back to a life of drugs and alcohol, thinking that drugs and alcohol, a liquid and a pill, can anchor his life better than Jesus. And so the author of Hebrews says, 
Jesus is greater than any old habit that we can lean to, any familiar thing we can try to hold on to, anything that we, we try to keep convincing ourselves, I know I shouldn't do this, but this time maybe, maybe it'll be uh, the right thing, maybe it'll help, maybe it'll see me through this difficult moment. Jesus is greater than any old habit we can have. Jesus is also greater than any self-reliance we can ever experience in our lives. You know, some, some people, and I've got some friends that have done this, um, they gave their heart to Jesus and thought, this is going to be great. Um, I'm going to give God control. And then when God's not doing what I want God to do, when I want him to do it, I'm going to drift over here. I'm going to take control again. And so I've got some friends who have taken control of their lives and deceived in the thought that they can handle it all by themselves. You know, Jesus, you be there for eternity. That's fantastic. I'll handle today and tomorrow. And Hebrews says, Jesus is the only anchor we can tie ourselves to for all of eternity above any self-reliance we could ever experience in our lives. So again, Jesus is the only anchor that we should ever tie our lives to. Now, let me just say something real quick. Some of you might be worried about my friends and worried that if you become my friend, <laughs> you might walk away from Jesus. I just wanted you to know that that's not the case. My friendship does not push people away from Jesus. So if you were worried about being my friend, I've got a lot of friends that still love Jesus. So anyway, many of you are in that spot. So just wanted to say that. Now, uh, as I wrap up, how would you answer the question, what is your life tied to? What's your life anchored to? Is it Jesus? Or have you drifted? Or are you drifting? Are you drifting to a relationship thinking this relationship's gonna do it? This habit is gonna do it. This, this belief system, it was an old familiar belief system, is gonna do it. This self-reliance, I got it, Jesus, I'll, I'll handle it. I'll see you in eternity, but I got it today. Are you drifting in any way from the creator of the universe who created you, who is the only one who can help guide you through your life, who is the giver and sustainer of life, who is sovereign, supreme, and gave his life as a sacrifice so you can live. You know why Jesus is greater? Because he's a risen savior. Because he took my sin and your sin. And he said, I'll pay that price. I'll pay it with my life. I'll die so you can live. You're that valuable. That's why Jesus is worthy of worship. That's why Jesus is the only anchor we should ever tie our lives to. So our worship team's going to come out in just a minute, and they're going to close us in a song called Anchor. And as we're singing this song, what I really want you to do is, is process uh, through the question that I've just asked. Is your life really anchored to Jesus? Is it really? Or are you drifting towards something else? Another thing I, I hope that you'll do is I hope you'll come back for this series because there is so much more for us to learn. And if you like to read ahead, 
Um, I encourage you to spend some time reading Hebrews chapter 4 through chapter 7. We've been through the first uh, three chapters today, and again, that was kind of an overview, but we're looking at some of the big principles for us to anchor our lives to. So spend some time reading chapter 1 through 3 this week, kind of refresh what we've talked about, and then spend some time in chapter 4 through 7 in preparation for next week. So if you would, let's pray together. Lord, I'm so grateful for the truth of Scripture and the reality that we can anchor our lives to you and you alone, Jesus. Yet, God, so often in our lives, we are, we are tempted to anchor ourselves to something else. We're tempted to give our heart to you, Jesus, at one point, and then maybe when it gets hard, when it gets difficult, we start drifting away and we, we start thinking about those old things those old habits, those old beliefs, those old relationships, and we start pursuing things that really can't anchor us for all of eternity. And so, Lord, the the warning from Scripture is loud and clear. Don't drift from Jesus. Anchor yourself to Jesus. Hold tightly to Jesus. So, Lord, I pray for those of us here this morning who are really processing through what they're anchored to, I pray that you would speak powerfully to them about that. I pray that they would have ears to hear if they're drifting in some sort of way. I pray they'd be honest with themselves about maybe a drift that's happening in their lives. And Lord, I pray that they would have a determination to run back to Jesus and tie themselves to him and him alone. And Lord, I'm also aware that We could have some people here today just considering Christianity, just trying to figure out if it's a real viable option for them, and they may have some real questions about that. And so, God, I pray that as they pursue you, Lord, they would hear the answers that you have to offer them. And, Lord, I do pray that they'd come back through this series and learn that you're the only anchor we could ever tie our lives to. And I do pray, God, that one day in this series they would put their faith in you and say, today's the day I've decided I'm anchoring myself to Jesus Christ for today and all of eternity. So Lord, we pray that that would happen for them. So God, thanks so much for speaking to us today. And we're going to head out into a, a busy world where there's lots of currents and lots of storms and lots of things that can cause us to drift. So Lord, we pray that you would remind us to anchor ourselves to you and what you have done for us. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this, amen.